Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you know I have a free on-demand masterclass called Five Steps to Writing a Novel Without Letting Perfectionism or Procrastination Get in the Way. In this free training, I cover things like where perfectionism comes from, how it's directly linked to procrastination, and what you can do right now to start making real progress with your writing. I also talk about the problem with popular plotting methods and how they can do more harm than good, especially if you're brand new to writing. And last but certainly not least, I share some of the most common mistakes I see writers make so you can avoid them and make this the year you finish your novel. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can sign up for free at savannagilbo.com forward slash training. One more time, that's savannagilbo.com forward slash training to get your hands on this free masterclass. So a few things you want to consider are what kind of pace do I want my story to have? Like what kind of effect do I want to have on the reader? For example, shorter scenes create a faster pace. And this is why you'll see in some mysteries and thrillers, the scene length is pretty short. Welcome to the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast. My name is Savannah Gilbo, and I'm here to help you write a story that works. I want to prove to you that writing a novel doesn't have to be overwhelming. So each week, I'll bring you a brand new episode with simple, actionable, and step-by-step strategies that you can implement in your writing right away. So whether you're brand new to writing or more of a seasoned author looking to improve your craft, this podcast is for you. So pick up a pen and let's get started. In today's extra special bonus episode, I'm going to be answering some questions from you guys. So these are questions that you guys have either asked me via email or in my Fiction Writing Made Easy Facebook group. And I'm hoping that not only will those people who ask the questions get value, but I'm hoping you guys listening will get value too. And I wanted to take some time today to answer these questions as a way to say thank you guys for helping me spread the word about this podcast and just generally for all the support you guys have given me as I've launched this podcast out into the world. So for all of you who have subscribed or left ratings and reviews, I just want to say thank you very much, and I'm so glad that you guys are liking the podcast. Okay, so let's jump into question number one, and this question is from Joe Larkin, and he says, do you have a general rule of thumb for how long a scene should be? I think this is a really great question and something really important to consider. So in general, I recommend keeping your scenes between 1,000 and 2,000 words, with the sweet spot really being around that 1,500 word mark. And that's because 1,500 words is just long enough that you can have something really meaningful happen, and it's short enough to hold the reader's attention span. So the most important thing we need to think about when planning the length of our scenes is that the length of our scenes affect the pacing of your novel. So a few things you want to consider are what kind of pace do I want my story to have? Like what kind of effect do I want to have on the reader? So for example, shorter scenes create a faster pace. And this is why you'll see in some mysteries and thrillers, the scene length is pretty short. On the opposite end of the spectrum, in science fiction and fantasy stories, you might see longer scene lengths because there's more world building details and descriptions that are required to fully immerse the reader into the world. So hopefully that answers your question, Joe. Just to recap really quick, try to aim for 1,000 to 2,000 words with that sweet spot being around 1,500 words. Okay, moving on to question number two. This question is from Margot Geary. She says, your job sounds really awesome. How do you become an editor or book coach? Thank you for this question, Margot. And you guys, I'm not gonna lie, my job is really awesome. I love the work I do every single day and 
When I think back to working in my corporate job, I never thought something like this was going to be possible. But thankfully, I found two really great certification programs that really helped me kind of learn how to be an editor and a book coach and help me get my business off the ground. So those are the two things I'm going to recommend you check out, Margot. And the first one is the StoryGrid Editor Certification Training. It's basically five days of in-person training where Sean Coyne, who created the StoryGrid, walks you through like a deep dive of the StoryGrid methodology and teaches you how to edit fiction. So the link to that is storygrid.com forward slash cert, C-E-R-T. I'll post the link to that in the show notes. And then the second program I want to tell you about is the Author Accelerator Book Coach Certification Program. This is an online certification program that takes you deeper into the elements of book coaching, all the way from managing a project to developing story structure and giving effective feedback to the writer. They teach you how to coach a writer and their story from an idea, complete rough draft. And the really fun thing about this program is that you get to work with some practice clients that you will find out in the universe. And then you have a coach that is going to give you feedback on your feedback and your coaching. So it's really fun because you get to learn what you're doing well and what you can improve on. And it's just a great program. And you can learn more about that at authoraccelerator.com forward slash book dash coach dash certification. And I'll post the link to that in the show notes as well. So hopefully that helps. Margot, um, if you have any further questions about becoming an editor or a book coach, feel free to let me know in the Facebook group. The next question is from Julia Pentrose, and here's what Julia says. She says, I get why info dumping is not ideal, but how do you get your character's backstory or world building details into your story without info dumping? Isn't that stuff important to show the reader? And this is something that comes up a lot with the writers I work with in my Notes to Novel program. It's pretty common for writers to kind of fill the beginning of their stories with character backstory or world building details because they want to make sure that the reader understands everything that has happened or is about to happen. And it's like a really natural thing to want to do, right? You want to make sure that the reader is on the same page with you. But this is not actually something you want to do because your goal within the first few pages of a story is to really get that reader to connect with your protagonist and to get them engaged in your story. And if you have paragraphs and paragraphs of information with nothing compelling to propel your reader through the story, then they're going to lose interest. And unfortunately, they're probably going to put down your book. Think about backstory as something that you're going to sprinkle in throughout what's happening in the story present. So the story present is whatever's happening in real time in that scene that you're working on. So for example, there's a scene in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone when Harry is eating in the Great Hall for the very first time. And so when he notices all the food that's spread out on the table in front of him, J.K. Rowling uses this moment in Harry's story present to trigger some information about Harry's past. And specifically, she talks about how he was underfed at the Dursleys and kind of never had anything in abundance. So in that specific situation, this backstory about Harry's life at the Dursleys was triggered by what's happening in the story present. And try to imagine a scenario instead where Harry's at the table in the Great Hall, and all of a sudden, J.K. Rowling dumps a bunch of information on us about the uniform that Aunt Petunia was dying for him so that he could go to high school next year. It just wouldn't make sense, and it wouldn't really be relevant, and the reader would just kind of be scratching their head like, why do I need to care about this right now? Does that make sense? 
And then when you do deliver any of this like exposition or backstory in your scenes, make sure it affects the point of view character who's kind of either bringing up these memories or noticing something about the world. So for example, in that scene where Harry's in the Great Hall eating, we get to feel his sense of awe and just kind of amazement at this huge banquet that's laid out in front of him, right? Um, So I think that little snippet of a scene is a really good example to show how the kind of backstory or exposition is triggered by something that's happening in Harry's present and how it also makes him appreciate this present moment more Like his backstory makes him appreciate what's happening to him more because it used to be so bad and now it's good, right? And I guess just most importantly, I want you to remember that when you fill your story with exposition or backstory or too many world building details, just for the sake of having this information in there or because you're so worried your reader's not going to understand, you're just risking boring your reader and losing them as a potential fan. So try your best to stick with sprinkling in backstory or exposition where it's relevant and skip it if it's not. And I'm gonna link to a blog post I wrote on backstory in the show notes. So you guys can go check that out if you wanna learn more. The next question I have here is from Karen Stroud. And Karen says, I've heard that head hopping is bad, but can you explain what head hopping is and why exactly it is bad? So this is a great question, Karen. And it's something that a lot of the students in my notes to novel program ask me all the time. So first, let me tell you what head hopping is. Head hopping is when you go from being inside one character's head and getting that character's thoughts, feelings, and opinions on the events of the story directly into another character's head to give their thoughts and feelings and opinions without signaling to the reader that you've switched point of view characters. Now, the reason this is frowned upon is because it can be pretty jarring for the reader. So an example would be if you imagine something like the Hunger Games and just say, for example, that in one scene you're in Katniss's head, you're getting her thoughts and feelings and opinions, and then you jump straight into Peta's head to get his thoughts, feelings, and opinions, and then you're back into Katniss's head, and then maybe you buzz over to President Snow's head to get his thoughts, feelings, and opinions. And imagine that throughout that whole scene, you have no idea whose head you're in at any given time. So you kind of have to sit there as the reader and like really think about it like, okay, well, who's saying this now? And, you know, what does this character want? And why do I care about this again? You know, so it can be really jarring. It can be a jarring experience for the reader. And if we zoom out and kind of think about what our purpose is and what we're trying to do as writers, it's that we really want to get the reader to kind of latch on to our point of view character and we want that character to become the reader's avatar for experiencing our story and if we don't give them one point of view character per scene it's really hard for them to kind of develop that attachment or that concern for this one character when you're just kind of hopping in and out of everybody's head at any given time it's just really confusing and really hard for the reader to kind of feel their place in the story and kind of just get totally immersed in what's happening. And because of that, it's easier for the reader to kind of be aware that they're reading a story instead of being fully immersed in your story, which is what we all want, right? Now, you might be wondering how writers get away with kind of doing this multiple point of view thing because it happens all the time, right? And the answer is that if you're going to write a story with multiple points of view, You just need to signal to the reader via a scene break or a chapter break that you're switching point of view characters. 
So for each scene in your novel, you want to have that complete like scene arc for that point of view character. And then you want to signal to the reader, okay, we're done being in this character's point of view. We're moving on to a different character's point of view. And this just kind of helps ease that chaoticness that the reader feels when there's too much head hopping going on. So that's how you do it if you're writing a story with multiple point of view characters. Now, there's another option, which is when you write in the third person omniscient. So that's when you have like an omniscient or kind of all-knowing godlike narrator for your story. Um, But that's a little bit of a different scenario and not something that a lot of writers do these days. So I'll do a different episode on the different points of view, including third person omniscient at a later point in time. But for now, just remember that each scene needs to have its own point of view character and that if you're going to switch into another character's point of view, you need to signal that to the reader somehow. So either via a chapter break or a scene break. So hopefully that answers your question, Karen. That's a really great question that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. So thank you. This next question comes from James K. And James says, I read your blog post on creating an ideal reader profile for your story. And I have a question. What happens if you end up with an unplanned subplot or if your story takes a different turn than what you were originally planning and you realize now that your ideal reader doesn't align with the new direction the story has taken? Thanks for asking this question, James, because this does happen sometimes. Let's say you're midway through a first draft and either a subplot or a character or, you know, something has come out of the drafting process that you really love and that helps you tell the story you had envisioned and say that now this audience that you've been targeting the whole time doesn't exactly align with the new direction your story has taken. So first of all, I just want to let you know that that is okay and it does happen sometimes. And I think the best course of action if this has happened to you is to go back and revise that ideal reader profile you created. So for example, I told you guys about my ideal reader Sage and how there was a point in time where I ended up with a really kind of political feeling subplot in my story that I just realized wasn't kind of the direction that I wanted to go and that it wasn't something Sage would be interested in. And quite frankly, it wasn't something I was even really interested in. It just kind of like took on a life of its own. So let's say the opposite happened and that I came up with this kind of political subplot and I actually wanted that to be the direction that my story took. Well, what I could do is just go back and revise my ideal reader profile. So that profile I created of Sage and tweak it a little bit so that my ideal reader would be someone who would like the new version of my story with that political subplot. And the reason I want you to do this is because you always want to have that ideal reader profile for your story kind of in the back of your mind as you write, edit, and publish your book. Because basically your ideal reader is that North Star reader, like the one person you're really trying to reach with your story. So just because your story's taken a different direction doesn't mean that you don't need an ideal reader or you don't want to have an accurate ideal reader. I would probably argue that you'd want a revised, more accurate version of your ideal reader to reflect the changes in your story just to kind of help keep you on track and keep you organized. And if you guys want to go back and listen to the episode about identifying your story's ideal reader, I'll go ahead and link to that in the show notes for you guys. So great question, James. Thank you for asking that. Okay, so let's wrap this up. That's it for today's episode. I hope you guys like this bonus Q&A session. 
That was a super fun episode to record. I love answering your guys' questions. I hope that you guys got value from this episode and that you enjoyed hearing kind of what other people are curious about or what they're struggling with because I bet you could identify with some of these questions and maybe you've wondered some of the same things. If you guys want more of these Q&A episodes, please let me know either on social media or come into my private Fiction Writing Made Easy Facebook group and let me know. Um, You can find the Facebook group just by searching Fiction Writing Made Easy on Facebook or go to savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast and there will be a link for you to join the Facebook group there. So if you have your own questions, I would love to hear them and maybe even answer them on an upcoming episode of the show. If you're not on Facebook and you want to submit a question for future Q&A episodes, you can go to savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast. And if you scroll all the way to the very bottom, there's going to be a form where you can submit your questions and I'll do my best to answer them on an upcoming bonus episode. So that's it for today's show. As always, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and showing your support. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned in this episode, you can find them over at savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show because there's going to be another brand new episode coming out next week. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review. Your ratings and reviews tell iTunes that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. And in turn, that helps this show get in front of more fiction writers just like you. So that's it for today's show. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, happy writing.